There's almost no football to talk about coming up because United are out of every cup competition uh, invented, well, at least domestic ones. And so we'll have a game against Crystal Palace in sort of 10 days' time and then another few days to Olympiacos and another 10 days to the next league game. But we do have a couple of games to talk about that just happened. Yeah, I mean, although every week I I listen back to the podcast to see how it sounded. And generally speaking, we say at the beginning of the show that we'll preview the games coming up this week. Normally, by that time, we've been talking for an hour and we just make a guess at what the scoreline's going to be. So I don't think it really affects the quality of the show that we've not got any games to look forward to. Well, I know, that's true. It couldn't get worse anyway, could it? (laughs) Uh, Very good point. Uh, Talking of couldn't get worse. Right, Ed, I've been looking forward to this so much because I've never, ever been so... Uh, football annoyed as I was watching Manchester United against Fulham a game that David Moyes says if you if you don't think we deserve to win by 100 miles you know nothing about it Yes, uh, 100 miles the distance of the crosses that United completed during the game. What a bizarre game. What a bizarre game. So, you know, in a way, I have some sympathy for David Moyes because uh, I might as well get this out of the way now uh, because United did have uh, the vast majority of the ball. They did all the attacking, basically. They pushed and pressed the game and Fulham sat back and soaked it up and uh, the real frustration of course is that United didn't score enough goals to win that game through his eyes United had done everything right to win that game and it was just a bit of bad luck and some poor defending that has robbed United of a victory you know this is what Moyes genuinely (laughs) believes of course we might have a slightly different analysis of what actually happened in the game right (laughs) I'm losing it here I was watching that game and by halftime I was pretty much ready for David Moyes to be sacked at halftime and be replaced by a new manager and I kind of recomposed myself thought this is ridiculous one thing he has done a couple of times in the past is change things a bit at halftime when they're not working but my goodness he did not do this in this game he just doubled down I mean it was absolutely extraordinary watching that game play out because United's players would get the ball in the sort of central areas and you'd think okay what are they going to do with it oh look they've, they've knocked it out wide again uh, if you look at Juan Mata's passing map of that first of all there's just an awful lot of lines because he had a lot of the ball but they all go sideways not in a Tom Cleverley way but sideways and forwards aiming at the flanks well yeah it was it was and this is the infuriating bit and of course everyone knows this so we're preaching to the choir here but uh, it was so predictable 46 crosses in the first half and you thought it's not working the United of course should been 2-0 down at that time Kieran Richardson missing a real sitter just before half time 46 crosses barely any of them were reaching a man and and the reason they were not reaching a man is because uh, they were aimless crosses from deep and and this is the real frustration you know no one is saying that playing with width is bad it's not Barcelona play with two wide players so do Bayern Munich in fact some of the very best sides in history have played with wide players Uh, it's how you use them and it's part of a varied plan of attack there was no variety United had one game plan only which was get it in central midfield knock it out wide bang it in and it didn't really matter whether this was from right on the touchline 40 yards from goal or 50 yards from goal or at the byline because United had worked a space and in fact United worked very few spaces behind Fulham's defence there were mostly balls just floated in and Dan Burns said it afterwards and of course you know he got a lot of press for saying I haven't headed that many balls since I was in the conference and his point although a little flippant, was that that was pretty easy and it's pretty basic football because that's what you do when you play at a lower level. You don't have the subtlety to get behind a defence. You just knock it in and play the percentages and that's exactly how United played. I mean, as the, as the game was going on, 
I started to, you know, you get Stockholm Syndrome, right? About 75 minutes in, I was thinking, well, I don't really care what happens from here on out. I still think this should be Moyes' job, basically. This is the most depressing Moyes performance so far. Even if we scored two to turn it around, as we, of course, did, and then threw it away, I don't even think it really makes that much difference. And then I thought, well, that's a bit silly, really, because he's playing percentages. If the percentages come off, there's a kind of an argument that, well, yeah, but whatever, the game plan worked, you know. It just took a really long time to do it. And there was a kind of feeling that at some point, they put, you park the bus like that, someone's going to work out a way through eventually it's a very high risk strategy to play such relentlessly defensive football and and in a way like it's kind of paradoxical because I don't think Man United were unlucky and I do think Fulham were lucky you know does that make any sense do you know what I mean by that it's like we should have done better but they kind of got away with it yes of course look so so Fulham parked the bus and and they parked the bus in a in a, a wholly negative way, uh, and they had three breaks in the first half. Uh, they should have scored from two of them, uh, and of course they were a little bit dangerous uh, from those breaks. But in reality, they made very very little effort to score at all. Right, so it's a very very frustrating way for for United to have played this game. Of course, you know. So if you're David Moyes, you're thinking we are you know hugely unfortunate here because we've had seventy five percent of the game. Uh, we've had you know the vast majority majority of chances vast majority of the ball had over 900 passes uh, which you know looks very good on in the stats uh, and we should have won this game by miles 100 miles but it's really not how it played out right this is um, United's uh, fault was that they kept doing the same thing over and over and over again 82 crosses 18 found the head you know, produced seven shots in the end and of course no goals two goals came from other forms of play that is true but they all they both those attacks did result from crosses. They were both second balls. So, well, that's the percentages. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, and, and of yeah. course, you get look. So the percentage here was twenty-one percent, right? Twenty-one percent uh, of the balls found on United head, and the percentage against Stoke was. 15%, 15% of balls being found in United Head. So we're talking low percentages, right? Crossing can be very, very effective. Now, look at you know, United when we had David Beckham in the team, for example. You know, such a, a superb crosser of the ball that you got him in space and he would find someone because his ability to cross was that good, right? It was precise. It was a precise form of attack. Right now, it's not a precise form of attack. Uh, and there are other ways United could attack with a whole bunch of very talented players. Now, you've got Robin Van Persie, Shinji Kagawa, Juan Massa, Wayne Rooney, Anne Yanazai, and then, you know, Nani's injured at the moment and barely ever gets the game, and then Ashley Young, who hopes only in reserve, and and, and and then Antonio Valencia, and of those, only really Antonio Valencia is what you might call a traditional winger. And, and only Adnan Yanazai out of all of those can actually put a proper cross in. Well, yes, and, you know, that's probably not going to be his final position, is it? You know, we think he's got a little more talent than that, and, and that's to say that if you've got some real talent, you know, play it through the middle. United are over a pass per game down on last season in terms of through balls uh, from central areas uh, and we're top of the league for crossing by miles in fact <laughs> just on the basis of that Fulham game <laughs> yes yes the 875 crosses that we had there uh, so you know the observations we were making we made all these points throughout the season right this is not just a point about the Fulham game we said this over and over again and the data was there and I did put a piece before, well before Christmas about how United passing the play and, and people will deny as he said I was talking nonsense this is not the truth but it is the truth there's a very very clear pass in the play that Moyes has got his players playing and he's got in 
them so well trained that's all they do no they weren't looking for a plan B either uh, you know and you can blame the players there but this is clearly a manager's tactic and we know that managers can instill a new system and a new style very very quickly it might be might take longer to build your own team it might take longer to win the trust of players or you know lose it in fact but to build a style is, is, is not that difficult and managers do do it within six months we know that because Moyes has done it uh, Roberto Martinez has done it at Everton Pep Guardiola has done it at Bayern they're playing a very different way they're still very very good but they're playing in a very very different way so Mo- Moyes has been able to make sure that his team plays in the way he wants and it's not working for United and you can clearly see the players don't believe it because quite a significant edge has gone off what do you think they've lost 5, 10, 20% this season it's a lot well let's count the points let's count the percentage of points they've lost and that's about the percentage drop off anyone blaming the players for the performance against Fulham it's one of those things where it's like okay well just let it go people can think what they like if you don't hold the manager culpable for that performance I just don't know what page you're on the the truth of the matter is senior players also did let him down both United's goals were absolutely preventable I mean, Rooney just giving away Sidwell for the the first goal, just letting him, he kind of tracked him most of the length of the pitch, then let him go for the last bit. Uh, Vidic didn't do nearly well enough to pick up Sidwell. And then uh, for the second goal, Michael Carrick is beaten to the ball in feeble fashion. You know, Michael Carrick is the version of Michael Carrick that the people that hate him think he is this season. Come on to the Arsenal game, but what he did in the last five seconds of that match, I've rarely been more appalled by a footballer's decision making in my life to be honest if it's not you know I'm talking about their decision making in terms of use of the ball obviously personal behaviour decision making is a different question but uh, the back pass he gave at the end of that game was was really offensively bad but yeah so so Moyes was let down by his senior players but it was uh, a pathetic inept abject awful display of football management you know and and frankly you know you know at the end of that game I I, I, I said you can you can give him time if you want it's not going to work right now my I've, I've thought about this quite a lot and I think every part of my analytical football brain says I don't think this is going to work out and then there's a big chunk of me that says but my analytical football brain is not that good so there is a real chance that I'm just wrong and I'm just reading this situation wrong but I reckon that the chances of Moyes being as successful, being thought of as a successful football manager for Manchester United are absolutely minimal on the basis of everything we've seen so far, especially that Fulham game. Well, the chances, according to the bookies, are four to six on that he'll never win a trophy with Manchester United. And uh, I tweeted that out and got a hell of a lot of abuse for it. Interesting. A lot of people saying, oh, what about the community shield? Sorry, not counting that. <laughs> not counting that. We had this debate at the beginning of the season. That does not count. That is a friendly uh, that all the managers treat as a friendly. And anyway, Alex Ferguson got United to the community shield. Not having that as Moyes' trophy. No way. Never not a chance ever and I'll never change my mind on that one unless we're really desperate <laughs> we are This is it's not going to get worse yeah well we are so so point being uh, the bookies do not believe that Moyes will ever win a trophy as United manager and um, you know that's on the basis of his performance as United manager to date I have to say I, f- I find it very difficult to uh, rationalise this one and, and say in my head that uh, I agree with a kind of Moyes out philosophy because I think I 
after six months it is ridiculous to think that someone can perform up to their very best ability with a relevant with a team and, and get the team on the same page within six months you couldn't do it in the office and um, I know because I've run many teams in offices and it's very difficult to get an established team on side in that time so I, I kind of feel sympathy for him in that sense and it's quite clear that the players have become complacent look up the word complacent and it's a definition that you can apply to United this season there's a lot of edge lost now why has that happened is it because the new manager's there or is it because they uh, are not applying themselves in the same way anymore or they believe they're off a number of them do anyway so, so that bit I have a bit of sympathy for Moyes for the tactics are, are completely his they're completely his and I think they're one dimensional I think they're archaic uh, I think they're almost from another era in a time of uh, you know very progressive football tactics and a lot of innovation uh, and a time when teams with a very specific Mark style and coaches with Mark style seem to be dominating uh, Moyes is a reactive coach that plays his teams in a very old fashioned way it's not far out of the Charles Hughes book of coaching it is playing the percentages it's not quite long ball so he's not John Beck he's not going to ask United's ground staff to put sand in the corners and United going to launch it 80 yards all the time it's not quite that but it is still percentage football you know the, the passes that happen for United are about working the ball into a position where you can get it wide and then you put the aimless ball in and that's the really frustrating thing so that part of me agrees with you and says that I don't care how many good players Moyes gets He's probably going to always play this style. And people say, oh, get better players or change the United style. I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. And, and here's a really good piece of evidence. £37.1 million on one matter. And he's playing on the right wing. I mean, quite. Uh, right wing and then left wing. I described his position against Arsenal as the Shinji Kagawa TM out of position on the left wing role. You know, four four one that's not well suited to his particular talent set against Arsenal. It's it's really too early to judge Moyes' use of matter, except to say that this is everything that was feared. I, I mean, I, I have to say I was a bit more optimistic than you, and and this is exactly what you said would happen to to matter and I'm a bit shocked just how right you were not that, not that I'm shocked you were right but just that I'm I'm shocked that Moyes is is doing such a Moyes thing uh, a friend of the rank cast Musa Okwanga described um uh, described the Fulham game as peak Moyes because uh, uh, not not just of like the on-pitch performance but then followed up by the I can't believe we didn't win this match blah 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 nonsense afterwards well yeah so so heat maps will tell you a little bit about this you know if you if you don't believe this argument right and there, there are still people who do not believe it right uh, go and and in fact we'll argue with the heat maps as well but just go check out some of the heat maps from Juan Mata playing for Chelsea or Juan Mata playing for United and compare them to a traditional winger as well right so so Juan Mata's heat map against Fulham is predominantly on the right hand side now he does drift uh, and that's the kind of player he is compared to say Antonio Valencia uh, who's much much more of a touchline hugger they do they are a bit different and and Juan Mata will play more time in central areas than Antonio Valencia will but he's predominantly off the right and it it definitely restricts his ability Jane Essex on Twitter said it's like uh, brushing your teeth with Dom Perignon uh, it'll do a job uh, but you're not getting the full effect and uh, I mean he's very right it's very right you are uh, restricting matter to less than his full self um, I mean I always said that Shinji Kigao was 75% of the player 
uh, when playing out left than playing in the middle and when he's had the chance in the middle this season he's only occasionally sparkled but he's had so few chances uh, and I think it's probably the same for Matter. I think Matter's a little more flexible maybe he's only 90% of the player when he's outright uh, right but that's that's a lot you're losing and I, and I think the key difference is probably 100% of matter is better than 100% of Shinji uh, no, I love Shinji but you know matter is something else I don't know if you had a chance to check out the gif that beautifully red tweeted um, I, I, I was waxing lyrical about this and put it everywhere I could um, of, of matter receiving a pass while gliding on his standing foot uh, the turf was wet so he, you can see that he literally uh, looks like he's skating without a skate on it's the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen a, a, a stunning moment of football brilliance in a in an otherwise arid desert of crossing nonsense uh, in that Fulham game mm. well he's a very very high class player and he's a very high class playmaker and he'll cause much more damage playing through the middle but of course you know this is all theoretical I get very frustrated when I have to have this argument with people check out 10 years of David Moyes' management check out how he's played with all of his sides yeah, and, and if you believe after doing that that he is somehow going to magically transform his football philosophy because United go off and spend 100, 150 million pounds this summer and let's have a chat about that in a bit because the Q2 results came out this week then, then uh, I think you're deluding yourself massively now whether you believe that Moyes is the right manager for United long term um, or you think he should go you know wherever you are on that spectrum one thing you should believe uh, is that he is not going to change how Manchester United play he has a way of playing and this is it so my question for you because I've clung on to the idea that he can change that's that's the root of the bit of me The, the only reason to give him time is to see if he can adapt to managing a higher level but he's showing no signs of that in fact he's becoming more entrenched and more defensive uh, which is very understandable and a very kind of classical human response to stress you know uh, when you feel victimised you tend to retreat into yourself and he's very clearly feels victimised he, he talked about luck in his pre-match programme notes against uh, Fulham it's, it's it's out of control and, and he used the word try six or seven times in two minutes in an interview with Jonathan Pierce. who let's face it is fairly trying but still the idea that Moyes won't change why shouldn't we just act decisively and it's not working out nothing much is going to shift to enable it to work out uh, the financial situation is such that if he spends unwisely it could be potentially devastating for quite a long time to come uh, wh- why is it your view that it's ridiculous to get rid now well I don't think United gain anything from getting rid now nothing at all Uh, we're not going to make fourth now sorry just the way the team is playing even if you fired the manager and United won uh, you know 12 or 13 games I think we've only got 12 or 13 games haven't we between now and the end of the season uh, I don't think United will make fourth there's too much ground to make up Uh, it's 11 points and goal difference so it's effectively 12 Uh, four wins in that time Liverpool playing very well I I just don't believe it in fact you need two teams to fail Liverpool and Tottenham I think the mathematics are against it Uh, chances are and frankly the way United are playing a new manager wouldn't change it in time quickly enough so there's no point you gain nothing now there is a decision to make in the summer absolutely so when the season ends in mid-May or when we lose to Olympiacos well yes (laughs) Uh, then you make a decision about whether you think this is the right man to take 
the club forward. All the noises are that the board believe this is the case. They're going to back him with significant funds, whatever those funds are, uh, and they are going to trust him. Uh, and they can budget for a season out of the Champions League. Now, I think it's I think it's more significant than the club are letting on in terms of the amount of money that will be lost and its effect on United's ability to meet both the Premier League and UEFA's financial fair play and spend lots of money. So I think there will be more restrictions on spending money than the club is pretending otherwise, briefing otherwise, certainly not telling investors who actually own part of the company the truth. Another another debate. So I, I think United are in some trouble here. And, and so there is a decision to make in the summer whether you believe Moyes can take United forward. I think the board are going to stick with him. So, you know, maybe the, our debate is, is completely moot anyway. So that's the argument for keeping him in, that uh, somehow when he gets his own team, he'll be able to transform that team into a more successful unit that the players are not playing for him now. And with better players and players that have been bought by him, uh, he can build a team that is more united. That's the only argument. And and uh, there are plenty uh, of uh, people who would think in another way. And I, I would suspect that at many, many, many top clubs around Europe, he would either be a dead man walking or have been fired already. Yeah, there's there's no other top club in Europe that would tolerate this level of ineffective performance, right? And I don't, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, all the counter arguments, Fergie, right? Fergie is the ultimate perfect example of what can happen if you reward a manager with patience there is we are the club who are the living embodiment of the good things that can happen if you stick by a manager through difficult times but and it's a huge but they were sticking by someone who was an absolute born winner you know his force of personality uh, he had he had he had difficult times at the club, but straight away he came and made a difference to the club, you know? United were in a desperate state when he turned up. It's just a completely different set of circumstances and a completely different personality. Because the truth is, you can also stick by managers who won't magically turn into the greatest football manager of all time, you know? And I, I think the summer, I don't know, you're right, the board are not going to get rid of Moyes, we don't think. I mean, I think surely the main reasons they're not is because he's been publicly anointed by Fergie, and Fergie must certainly have influence at boardroom level. Well, he, he does, he most certainly does, and, and he made sure that Moyes got the job, you know, so Guardiola and, and Mourinho, uh, so the word has it, uh, were both given very short shrift, discussed and then dismissed, because Ferguson pushed very hard for Moyes, so uh, Ferguson is influential, and and uh, he will be influencing uh, the belief that Moyes should be given more time. You know, look, this is an open question for everyone, really. If if you buy my thesis that Moyes will not change, right, even with better players, he will be playing this way, you have to buy into the belief that uh, for United to be successful at domestic and European level, that uh, Moyes' style of football will be successful with better players. Right, you have to believe that, uh, and if you don't believe that, then it's a little, it's a little hard to it's a little hard to justify Moyes being the long term position. And so we're in this dichotomy where very few fans, at least those that you know, long term fans, are not the kind of fickle social internet crowd believe that you can you gain much from hiring and firing and having a rotating door policy at Old Trafford yet many many people uh, will be of the belief that it is very difficult for David Moyes to be successful when he sets his teams up like this yeah and and if you hire the wrong person for the job then 
the argument I, I, I've got a kind of ill thought out thesis developing in my mind of why there is an argument which says certainly at the end of the season replacing David Moyes is not random knee jerk short termism it's not oh he had a bad first season it's oh he had an absolutely horrific first season at which at every step of the way when he had opportunities to demonstrate himself as being good at the job he failed to do so and instead revealed himself to be a poor choice for the job Mm. Well, you, you said victim. He's a victim and he's a loser. Uh, and those are the two traits that come out very, very strongly in his uh, his press work. Uh, you know, uh, it's not my fault. It was the ref. It was bad luck. Uh, I don't know what we have to do to win. Blah, blah, blah and blah. And and it's uh, he gives a very, very poor account of himself as a result. He does not feel like a Manchester United manager. You know? And with each game, it feels like it's getting worse. Of course, uh, you know, the stock market has its own view of it and uh, 22% down the Manchester United share price uh, in a year and that's uh, that's pretty devastating you know? uh, in fact in less than a year because that's since Ferguson retired in May um, off from $18.5 to just a touch over $14.5 now you know that, that's the investors saying even though Manchester United keep reporting stronger and stronger financial results that they have no faith in this business uh, on a 12 month rolling basis so you know there's lots of people that do not believe Moyes is good for United it will be a decision for the board it feels like they are going to stick with him uh, come what may and he will get those two years Ed Woodward didn't say it directly but intimated that United will budget for a year out of the Champions League they probably won't for two uh, and uh, you know if we're in this position again say just after Christmas uh, next year he might be in real real trouble David Moyes so talking of financials do you want to talk a bit about Q2 results and the transfer window and all that stuff and and the devastation of the Champions League thing before we get onto the Arsenal game? Okay, let's do that and then we'll have a a chat about the uh, wondrous high-quality game that was Manchester United versus Arsenal uh, on the PlayStation. Certainly wasn't in real life. Yeah, so Q2 financials out this uh, this week. Very, very positive. Uh, big increase in sponsorship revenue. Um, big increase in broadcast and media revenue. We, we knew these two things already. Uh, slight drop in match day income, but really because there was one less Premier League game and one more Carling Cup game, so it balanced it out. Nothing to be too concerned about if you're a bean counter at Old Trafford. All the good news you'd expect, really. Uh, you know, pretty strong year-on-year rise in, um, in costs, almost entirely down to player wages of course we know that there's going to be some significant costs coming off the budget uh, in the next quarter and a bit uh, don't we so all round it looks like a very positive financial performance from united uh, on a rolling year on year year so uh, aggregate this quarter up over the next year, United will top uh, 500 million pounds in revenue, basically. So it's very, very strong performance. That's not counting what's going to come off in the Champions League. So uh, taking into account winnings and games, United will probably lose about 45 million pounds or so in revenue kind of depends uh, how far you expect United to go but on a kind of median performance maybe about 45 pound, million pounds in revenue there's a very good blog post on the uh, Andy Green's andersred.blogspot.com going into more details about this United will pick up some revenue from the Europa League uh, if we are in it the prize money is terrible so if you win it you get about 10 million euros as opposed to tens of 10 millions of euros in the Champions League but it's a uh, gate receipts as well which is significant 
So United will lose a lot of money from not being in the Champions League. Interestingly, might lose more money from missing out on the USA Tour because that's very lucrative for United and uh, there is a clash between Europa League qualifying and that tour. Couldn't play in both because it's a, it's a tournament they've signed up to in the States. So uh, they are committing to the full thing, which was interesting. I wondered whether they might commit to something more flexible, but they haven't, which is interesting. So anyway, positive on the financial sense. The market has reacted pretty badly. You know, they're down to 14 and a bit dollars on the New York exchange. It's off uh, over a dollar since the announce, uh, since the results were announced. As I said, it's uh, it's over four dollars off in, in over the year. It's nearly 22 percent off when the stock exchange is growing very strongly. So this is a terrible performance according to the stock exchange, um, which is interesting when the financial performance is so good. Uh, so why is that happening? So uh, you, you would, as an investor, uh, you would uh, apply what you'd call a forward P ratio, so price over equity. So it's basically saying, what are the growth prospects of this company? They all look very good from a financial sense, uh, except for the uh, the broadcast and media and prize money and commercial stuff that's associated with the United success. So it might be some short-term thinking, might be some speculation on behalf of investors, but some of those long-term investors are saying, in at least in that 12-month window, we do not believe that United will grow, uh, therefore we're getting out. And, um, you know, it's debatable whether United will be net up anyway, given that there will be a new uh, shirt deal coming up soon. So a shirt manufacturer deal, uh, Chevrolet has kicked in, uh, new TV broadcast money kicked in, and so on. So, you know, I think United will perform all right financially without Champions League but it's definitely a hit to United's business model so I've detected Ed a note of uh, pretty serious cynicism as the club have been yet again spinning the war chest line in the press you seem to not be at all convinced by that line well it's spun that line for years eight years in fact uh, so forgive my cynicism because it hasn't happened yet what, one, of the, one of the actual things that uh, allows me to feel a bit more concrete about that is there's a couple of things Edward Wood said one he wouldn't confirm that there was a significant uh, amount of money to be invested he wouldn't confirm to investors who asked him on the analyst call about that so of course you would not reveal your strategy in a public sphere because competitors would know you know it's pretty standard practice but you will give guidance to investors on what they can expect in terms of capex outlay uh, and revenues uh, and they certainly gave revenue guidance and so this is this is interesting so investors only know half the story uh, and if they're refusing to give the investors the full story but spinning to the press in the background that Moyes will be given 150 million pounds to spend this summer it makes me feel a little bit cynical about what their actual intentions are because we've seen this so many times before remember around Rooney's contract when Manchester Evening News ran with that 150 million pounds and many other outlets said that United would spend significant amounts of money strengthening uh, because Rooney had said United lacked ambitions. The other thing that makes me feel a bit more concrete about that is that United have about £75 million in cash in the bank, uh, more than £350 million in debt, so net debt is at around £280 million. Add a couple of quarters plus season ticket sales and maybe you double it, maybe you get to £150 million in cash. There is no way that United liquidate all of that cash no way at all right so scratch that if you believe that united are going to spend 150 million pounds uh, if you're an investor you start selling now uh, because that's not a prudent financial management plan so i do not believe that united spend anywhere near 150 million pounds maybe it all approach three figures maybe united will spend money on four players this summer maybe but i still feel enough cynicism in inside me to say it's only a maybe 
which is, I mean, potentially terrifying. Uh, we haven't, I'm pretty sure Nevanya, uh, Nevanya Midic, I've forgotten his name already, he's dead to me. Um, I'm pretty sure we haven't done a podcast since Nemanja Vidic said he was definitely leaving United, although, of course, we speculated that that would be the case. Vidic is leaving, I cannot see Ferdinand staying uh, another season. Uh, Patrice Evra, very likely to leave. Rumours still about Raphael might be having to replace the entire back four, in spite of the fact that Tom cleverly revealed himself to be a poor, unfortunate, mistreated scapegoat. By the way, I do think there's actually some truth in that. But still, uh, the central midfield still desperately reeling from half a generation of underinvestment. And if Moyes is relentlessly committed to wing play, is Van Persie even going to stay? And if he does, don't we need... uh, to sign like Andy Carroll or something to get their head on it. Well, yeah, yeah. forty-five million pound bid going in for Emil Heskey. Yeah, uh, uh, well, he was never much good with his head. Maybe, maybe Peter Crouch would be the answer or Tim Cahill. Bring him back from MLS. So, yeah, yes, right. You know, um, Van Persie's body language doesn't look good at the moment, does it? You know, very, very, very much. And there's still do- uh, doubts around Rooney. That contract is not signed. Uh, I'm sure he's going to hedge his bets and wait until the summer and see what happens with United. Why wouldn't he? And those three players will definitely go, uh, and that'll take a lot of lot of money out of the wages. United do have to think about this though, because financial fair play. Of course, United are well well inside financial fair play in UEFA terms. But there are some interesting clauses in the Premier League financial fair play, where, where if you earn if you spend more than fifty two million pounds a year on wages, and United are well above that, um, you can increase only by four million per season. So uh, take off the three hundred thousand pounds a week from Ferdinand, Vidic, and Evra, and possibly Kagawa and Hernandez if they go I mean, you've got to think Kagawa's going to go and Hernandez clearly wants to uh, and Nani will be sold and Anderson and there's a lot of there's a lot of wiggle room for United but it's not so much wiggle room that United can go and buy five world-class players all on well over a hundred thousand pounds a week like Juan Mata uh, some of this is going to have to be younger players and and you know I <laughs> It's just, it's very, it is. This whole situation has to be managed extremely carefully. Otherwise, David Moyes will be Graham Souness and we will be Liverpool because we're, we've got the financial might to absorb a certain amount of, of, of the hit. And, you know, you'd think if we do slump in a really serious way it will be a shallower and shorter slump than Liverpool's was uh, because of our relative positioning in English football in terms of like the size of the stadium the level of the commercials all that kind of stuff uh, you know yeah. you'd think that a, a fine selection of whoever replaces David Moyes and this is not going to be 20 years of hurt or whatever but it could be 10 easily you know that, that that's, that's it's not hyperbole to, to, to suggest that and and here's the other worrying thing that, um, that Woodward said so not only did he say well, uh, our normal historical uh, level of um, bending is three players. Um, add this to the guidance they gave to the Stock Exchange when United IPO'd on 10th of August 2012, which was, uh, we'll spend in our historical range of around £20 million a season. He said, we might go a little bit above the three players. So he, they are saying just above the three players. And then the other thing that David Moy said, which was really fascinating, was that some of our Premier League rivals haven't won any trophies for decades and they still sell huge amounts of shirts. Uh, and add that to the previous praise he's said when he specifically mentioned Liverpool Liverpool's commercial arm so he's saying to you we can sell shirts uh, we can have the reach we can get commercial partners and it doesn't matter if we don't win any trophies remember that folks 
um, he said to Andy Mitten at the beginning of the season in UWS that we wouldn't be losing out on players in purely financial terms uh, that we're in a different negotiating position to what we've been in the past financially in terms of what we're prepared to negotiate with players a very different story right to we'll be spending at our historical levels mm. which are you know no, no club can spend at their historical levels because of the you know massive transfer inflation if we spent at net 20 million a season we'd be really losing pace with everyone we're supposed to be rivals with well very much very much so but you know it's it's not just the the transfer inflation but there's massive inflation in broadcast revenue and this is why there is massive inflation in transfers remember huge huge gains in broadcast both domestic and champions league uh, and the the market for commercials has also risen very strongly you know so a lot of praise for the glazers for uh, executing on their global sponsorship plan where they go and get all these regional partners real madrid and barcelona and Bayern munich in particular have done exactly the same thing right so you know the market generally has inflated people are very interested in football more than ever before um, and commercial partners are attaching to that uh, and uh, and getting involved and United have done very well but in relative terms they've actually slipped from first in the revenue league um, uh, when the Glazers first took over to fourth now right so there's super hot competition just in terms of driving revenues from commercials uh, and then you add in all the oligarchs and the Middle East shakes and the princes and you know those are the massive ego around Europe and it's, it's massively competitive out there and United do have to spend big uh, just to remain competitive but that's all that the glazers need right their business model is not predicated and i've said this again and again and again uh, over eight years and on this podcast it is not predicated on united winning the league and the champions league every season it's just not right they need to get close enough but that's it absolutely and you know we will see what kind of the owners the glazers are in terms of interest in success now that ferguson's gone because they had at the helm a man with winning in his like as soon as he closes his eyes the will to win is all he can see Whatever else he was, he was a winner, as he said about himself. And he was many other things, um, and still is. But yeah, uh, Moyes, I mean, you described him as a loser, which is the parallel opposite of that. And maybe maybe a bit harsh, but maybe not that harsh. And certainly not in terms of the attitude he's displayed so far. Well, I tell you what, the Glazers might, at the moment, given the, the market cap. I mean, United are at less than 1.5 billion market cap right now, right? So, you know, they sh- if they had sold at the peak of the share price... In May, yeah, about mid of May, and I can give you the very date, in fact. <laughs> so, May the 6th was the United share price peak. If they'd sold then, they would have made hundreds of millions of pounds more than if they'd sold now. Uh, and they might be thinking about that. I mean, of course, you know, any any leverage buyout, the time you sell is at peak value, right? And they believe they can extract more value from the market. And of course, the new Nike deal or whoever it is, it looks like it'll be Nike um, and more commercial, commercial partners coming on stream and potentially a new broadcast deal in three years' time. That may give us a new peak. But there's also the chance to erode and hell of a lot of value in that time too uh, through very very poor performances on the pitch yeah and and these are very interesting questions in terms of how much influence so uh, I, I, to bring in some Twitter questions because we've got absolutely loads and we've been talking for ages and we've still got the Arsenal game to cover but no games next week so that's a, that's a gives us a bit more time but at 6 Sammy 9 says what do you think Fergie is thinking about this mess and I, I asked that question because Ferguson must be exert must still be exerting influence behind the scenes and he always gives credit to Bobby Charlton for being a massive advocate of him keeping 
keeping the job and you'd think that Bobby Charlton would probably be of a similar mind about Moyes but maybe not quite so much because Moyes is not Bobby Charlton's man in the way that Alex Ferguson was you know he's Fergie's man but the Glazers are they're only going to go so far with following what Fergie says is a good idea right well yeah and they've fired several coaches uh, Tampa Bay Bucks right so they, they have done it uh, and the, the median time seems to be about two years you know that's what the last coach got of course you get a lot less games in NFL but yeah I, I think they will give him approaching two years let's, let's say you know somewhere like that um, and Fergie is uh, is going to exert quite a lot of influence but back to the question well it depends how cynical you want to be right so uh, the positive view of this is that Ferguson will support Moyes believes in Moyes it was his man um, and that he's going to give him all the backing and advice that he needs and, and be standoffish when he thinks he needs it and all of the right stuff uh, to give Moyes the absolute best platform to succeed the, the really cynical view is this one which is uh, Ferguson is quite quite interested in protecting his legacy because he's always thought about Ferguson first Manchester United second uh, and he doesn't mind that much that Moyes is failing uh, because with every day that Moyes fails Ferguson's stock rises higher if that was possible <laughs> yeah and that is an ultra cynical view but surely I think that probably the way Alex Ferguson's ego is wired the notion that he if you read his book and if that reflects any truth of the way he thinks about himself uh, the idea that he could have made a mistake in the selection of his own successor will not be something that he finds it very easy to contemplate and I suspect that that, that when the Ballad of David Moyes is written Fergie's role will be lamenting that he was not given the time to succeed as he eventually would have done cursing the short-termism of the idiots that hounded out the legacy of Sir Alex Ferguson uh, and if only they had seen what he had seen they might have been able to see the light but there we go yes well let, let, let's um, do you want to get on some Twitter questions uh, yeah 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 let's do it at Machine Gun says assuming Moyes stays would you be okay with losing favourites like RVP Chicha etc if their uh, replacements would suit Moyes' brutally simplistic cross heavy style or would you rather United held on to the technical guys so when Moyes gets sacked the club can resume normal business quicker even though they'd have to lose slash suffer more first wow that's a loaded question wow <laughs> of course, uh, Machine Gun uh, very entertaining guy on Twitter is he's firmly in the hash Moyes out camp <laughs> yeah uh, for sure he, and has been since before he got the job well yes um, yeah I mean you know fair, fair enough uh, I didn't want Moyes to get the job I'm not quite in the Moyes out camp but uh, you never know I might be tipped over the edge at some point so I don't know I'd like United to keep all their technical players uh, I don't actually believe that Moyes is going to be successful at the very top of the game uh, with his style of play and I don't believe he'll evolve either so you know this doesn't half sound contradictory some of what I'm saying and I'm well aware of that but uh, getting rid of all the technical players and bringing big bunt lumping forwards is just going to force United into mediocrity in my view yeah absolutely I think it's interesting that Juan Mata signed because I've been thinking about this a lot and, and you think out of everyone in football Juan Mata is the one person that I would credit with like really sophisticated forward thinking intelligence you know what I mean he's, he's like an extremely smart guy and I bet he signed thinking yeah it's okay if it, it'll either work out with Moyes or it won't and he'll be gone and they'll get someone in who is much more suited to my style of play I reckon he's hoping that Moyes is Bruce Rioch to his Dennis Burkamp 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, maybe. He's, he's, uh, he is intelligent, Wayne Master, he's got a very nice blog, which is uh, personal and doesn't appear to be written by PRs. And if it is written by PRs, they've managed to personalise it in a very nice way. Oh, yeah. He writes that himself, every word of it, I'm sure of it. Uh, on a MacBook Air, no doubt. Mm. Um, no, no doubt. At Callum Orr says, would you rather be a flightless bird or a flying fish? Flying fish, obviously, because, like, swimming is pretty brilliant and then you get to fly, but being a flightless bird is pretty rubbish you just walk around hmm Mine's a flightless bird with one leg he also asks with Rio Zaha and Hernandez undermining Moyes on social networks has he lost to players slash did he ever have them uh, it's interesting lots been made of uh, Zaha's super passive aggressive Instagram as a picture of Solskjaer bring him on saying it's lovely it's amazing what happens when someone believes in you and he goes oh no I didn't mean anything by it I thought, of course you didn't then there's Cheech putting a picture of himself with a microphone saying eventually a lot of things will be spoken like oh oh really Cheech his, his passive aggression is as high as his flappy bird scores which are, are pretty high Rio uh, you know he's he's just never he's obviously not gone on with Moyes since he since Moyes played him six games in a row absolutely wrecked him and then didn't let him play again mm. oh though of course he came on against Arsenal didn't he so uh, not completely frozen out and apparently he will be heading off to the Dubai training camp slash holiday uh, which they've of course all earned uh, but anyway getting to the point of the question look I think a little more of little is made of this than, than is really necessary uh, uh, yes it's passive aggressive to put those pictures up on social media both Zaha uh, and Chicharito does it really matter more damaging of course was uh, Rio leaking the team sheet to the press every week uh, allegedly leaking the team sheet to the press don't you know it Rio but a lot of this is a symptom uh, and I said this on the time when it when it first came out about um, David McDonald getting the team sheet that uh, this is a symptom of an unhappy dressing room they don't talk to the press when they're all on the same page and they're fighting the same fight right they are not happy many of them and you can see on the pitch as well and some of the big names uh, in that dressing room are not very happy no, um, and we'll, we'll get on to a bit more of that during the Arsenal game. Van Persie posted him a picture of himself and Vidic saying, me with my, my brother Vida, with a little, you know, this is great emoticon. I, I think that might be a, a hint, yeah? He's out in the summer too. That's what he's mm. saying. Well, yeah, of course, Van Persie had a pretty poor game against his future club, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, at Follow My Trawler says, do you think Moyes has watched The Wire and who do you think his favourite character would be? No, I don't. Uh, I think that would be far too subtle for David Moyes who wants instant gratification. Get it out wide and get it in, son. <laughs> um, I think if he has watched The Wire, it's uh, that that baddie boss from the first series. Is it Rawlings? Rawls? I think it's Lieutenant ah, Rawls. Yes. Well, I think that would be Moyes' favourite character. Uh, the big questions. Every cop show has to have one of those. Yeah, they do. And every Man United's got one too at the moment. At JH1993 underscore MUFC uh, with the big question, what do you like on your toast? I don't eat toast. Uh, bread's bad for you. No, it's not. Uh, it is. I really, <laughs> it really, uh, I really it don't is. eat toast. My body is a temple. Have you never eaten toast? No, I, I mean, I've had it occasionally. A jam's all right. A bit of honey. You know. <laughs> yeah. Not really a Marmite fan. I don't hate it, though. I mean, ambivalent. I think the advertising's rubbish. Me too. I, I, um, I totally agree with you on that. Cheese on toast is the ultimate form of toast, but like, I like honey on toast too. Um, at All or Nothing Mag says, you, he's a Celtic fan, so he means Manchester United, you seem to have lost your swagger. Can a David Moyes team ever swagger? Uh, he says, brackets, I like swaggering. Uh, one of my favourite people on Twitter, at All or Nothing Mag, hence uh, the question. We have lost our swagger, and I'm not sure David Moyes knows what swagger means. 
Agree, yes. Uh, at Julio underscore G says, on a scale from one to murder spree, how angry did that ca- character cleverly pass get you um, at the end of the game? At Steuge says, am I the only one who absolutely lost the plot when witnessing that back pass? Well, no. And, and uh, look, let's wrap this into a discussion of the Arsenal game because there's not much to talk about in the Arsenal game. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible match. Terrible match. The quality was absolutely dire. Uh, there, uh, you couldn't blame the weather conditions because it stopped raining and it was wasn't windy in that big stadium uh, it was in fact very nice conditions for playing football and you had two teams that did not want to win or conversely were too scared about losing to play both of them were at it uh, United were very very cautious and negative uh, and the pricey for that entire game was that last 30 seconds uh, where Carrick passed it backwards Moyes seemingly wanted United to push forward although I take that with a pinch of salt because that was not evidence of uh, Moyes' approach United were very cautious uh, yeah, absolutely. He mentioned heat maps earlier. Wayne Rooney's heat map, extraordinary in that game. Did not set foot inside the box. <laughs> he played in midfield. He played yeah. in midfield. He played in the central midfield. Uh, it was just a very, very cautious performance from United. You know, had a couple of good chances. Robbie Van Persie missed that one in a couple of minutes inside the game. Uh, that's just showing you how uh, he's lacking some confidence and sharpness at the moment, I suppose. Uh, and maybe United would have gone on to win the game if he had scored that one just on the basis of we had no ambition generally to go out and win the game and when afterwards David Moyes says oh, I'm disappointed we didn't get three results he's disappointed that United didn't luck their way into a goal from a, a you know a set piece or a piece of wing play of some kind yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things worthy of note. First of all, that Van Persie miss, if he's not deliberately doing it to get Moyes sacked, um, I mean, Van Persie's body language was atrocious in that game. It wasn't great against Fulham, but it was, he just looked completely and utterly out of sorts. And I do think that, you know, we all, we expect, I said some of this in a piece I wrote, but we all expect footballers to put their personal history and their personal lives completely on to one side and become, you know, robots when they, when they, cross the line passion fueled robots weirdly enough but anyway it must be super weird for him to go back to the Emirates generally and particularly at the moment I mean his relationship with Wenger was was complex but close you know and 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 happened over a long period of time and I think when he left and was in the kind of warm umbrella of Sir Alex Ferguson he felt like he was experiencing something wonderful that he hadn't been getting before but now it's a huge step down because Wenger's a much better manager than David Moyes you know Mm. well is it it's interesting because you know I do I do read these commentaries. Uh, is, is Van Persie uh, regressing it? I'm sure he wasn't when he won the league. The, the other thing is that the noise that has come out of his camp that is desperate to do well in Europe, and and I'm afraid with David Moyes that there's no chance of that happening within the next three years. And that's that's his. You know he's he's nearly thirty, right, Van Persie? This is his peak. He's right at the top. Uh, he needs to cash in right now. And I don't mean in terms of money. He's got more money than he'll ever need, uh, and he's on a massive massive contract. That befits his status in world football. This is about cashing in in terms of trophies, right? And he's gone from a team that won, you know, none uh, basically during his time uh, uh, to a team that he thought would be challenging on all fronts. Uh, Ferguson has gone. The team has aged. Uh, the investments weren't made in the right areas. Um, they didn't manage the squad properly. And he's got a manager who's come in who seems 
patently seems uh, is not good enough for the job uh, and is taking United backwards you know he's got to be thinking this is not good he's got to be looking at clubs who might need a striker in the summer say you know Barcelona who are sure of a striker or two and and be thinking that there might be a good option for him somewhere yeah and and you know he's got a a decent ego on him I mean he's a respectful guy Van Persie and you know his whole first season at the club was was kind of completely like I think he won a lot of hearts with just how respectful he was about everything going on you know gigs and skulls are unbelievable you know all that stuff he also has got an ego on him because he's a top level professional athlete and it's Wayne Rooney that that Moyes talks about lovingly he he never says anything positive about Van Persie it's always forced the good things he says about Van Persie and it's a complete joke because of the two of them if there's one of them you'd want on your side in terms of quality even longevity even if he's a little older you know I think he's probably looked after himself an awful lot better I I, I just think it's ridiculous the Arsenal fan I follow on Twitter was saying imagine sacrificing Van Persie to make him a goal poacher in order to keep Wayne Rooney happy what what a ridiculous thing Matt actually if you gave me the choice right now I'd take Van Persie and I'm just not in the camp that believes that Wayne Rooney has had a fantastic season I just don't think it's true I think he's he's swaps quality for work rate right so he has shown that he can work hard and run around a bit except of course when it counts uh, and talking about that goal against Fulham where he just stopped bothering so I don't think he's had a great season at all I think he's been alright and he's been better than last season but it is relative because last season was terrible yeah. and and uh, I do think that it's affecting Van Persie I'm mean, certainly United's formation system is affecting Van Persie absolutely definitely uh, he's been sacrificed uh, in that um, and I think his confidence has been affected and, and I think the way that Moyes talks about Rooney in this obsequious fashion uh, has gone over the top uh, and he is not man-managing the rest of the players in the right way or the same way. No, absolutely. And it's further evidence that Moyes is not the man for the job and the sooner United act, the better for all of us, you know. So, look, um, we've had an hour of ranting about <laughs> Moyes. Uh, we're, you know, you're, you're uh, almost falling off the fence. Uh, I'm saying uh, I'm firmly honest in terms of the Moyes in, Moyes out debate. I think we've said a very a huge amount of negative things about Moyes and we asked listeners to to give us a converse opinion uh, and so we have a couple here first from uh, rant writer Jonathan Schrager who argues very eloquently that Moyes must be given time uh, and then from Alex Dixon who you may well also know from the social media sphere so have a listen to what they have to say. First of all let's just mention the positives uh, we've got first place in our Champions League group we've signed Matter we've kept Rooney on and we're playing uh, Adnan in a first team squad and loading out other youth players uh, for experience. Uh, Moyes has inherited a system that he doesn't like with players that he didn't choose. Uh, for example, Mata. What, uh, why did Mourinho sell Mata to us in the first place? He's a fantastic player. He's two-time best player at Chelsea. It's because Mourinho's building his own Chelsea squad around a system inside his head. And Mata just doesn't fit in with that system, whereas William does. Uh, Moyes has consistently said that in the summer we're going to be bringing in uh, some good signings and it's going to be important for the club. And hopefully these players uh, will fit his tactical ambitions, as it were. Uh, but we know nothing about his long-term and future plans for the club and we know nothing about his current relationship with players. So we're not the best judge of character, <laughs> Uh, since we know absolutely zero information about those important points. Uh, however, if you ignore things like uh, the dodgy press conferences and the record-breaking losses to West Brom, Everton, Swansea, Newcastle, Stoke, um, I believe genuinely that his optimism and determination will soon start to yield results for us. Um, and so I am Moyes in. Moyes in. 
I understand the general frustration amongst Reds. Moisey did inherit the Premier League champions, so the vast majority of Reds and people inside the footballing fraternity rightfully deemed any finish outside of a Champions League berth as a failure. But I can't concur with the frustration if it's manifested by calling for Moisey's dismissal after half a season only. This is where contextualisation becomes essential. Now, I'm not blinkered by Red Specs. It's admittedly been dire at times with little sign of improvement or tactical nous displayed by Moyes, but I refuse to throw in the towel prematurely. One Evertonian pal of mine relentlessly bombards me with anti-Moyes rhetoric, so it's evident that some Evertonians believe Moyes couldn't manage for the Toffees. Now some Reds are beginning to question whether David Moyes can manage for Toffee on the evidence of recent weeks, but give the bloke a chance to prove himself either way. Perhaps my support of Moyes is pure defiance in the face of ridicule and criticism from opposing fans and media alike, but I'm content either way, as I feel it's predicated on the noble principle of giving everyone a fair crack of the proverbial whip, a long-standing MUFC tradition. More importantly, my support for Moyes is based on the long-term health of the club. It isn't solely about Moyes per se. It's about prospective ensuing managers should Moisey not prove himself to be the right man. And it isn't just the principle of not wanting to emulate the impatient hiring-firing policy of Chelsea. There's also a robust underlying rationale. We don't want to engender a highly pressurised environment at our beloved football club for potential subsequent managers, as this will inevitably lead to a vicious downward spiral. Of course, it's a dramatically different landscape to when Fergie assumed the mantle. For that reason, Moyes should be afforded two to three years, as opposed to four to seven years, to win a piece of silverware and a major trophy, respectively. My stance is largely rooted in the fact that Manchester United is a big enough club in terms of fan base and revenue streams to survive a couple of barren seasons. Hence, I don't think it will be to the significant detriment of the club to give him a go, and the benefits outweigh the detriment when harnessing a long-term perspective. Thus far, though appearing increasingly idealist on the pitch at times, I've admired some of Moyes' dealings with the press. It's true he's often struggled with the enormity of the PR juggernaut that is Manchester United, but I've empathised with his honesty regarding the players' shortcomings at times, whilst he's correctly chosen to defend them publicly at others. Following a decade at the club, he's bound to have retained a modicum of the Everton mindset. I've not dug up any old footage to substantiate my theory, but surely it required time and success for Sir Alex to develop some of his gall and gumption as an interviewee. Regarding Moyes, firstly, he's already filtering out some of the old guard, such as Vidic, and evidently the wastrels, such as Anderson. Secondly, he reportedly intends to enhance the existing youth system. Thirdly, he supposedly has a, la- a sizable budget at his disposal. He made some successful signings during his Everton tenure on a limited budget, so I'm sure he'll bring in proven quality to United. I don't subscribe to the theory that he shouldn't be entrusted to utilise those funds appropriately. If he can't work with the incoming talent, a sub- subsequent manager will be able to so hold tight and let's see how it develops in a year's time we'll be infinitely more equipped to assess his potential as Manchester United manager moving forward and if it doesn't eventually work out we can chalk it up to a failed experiment perhaps introducing a change to the calendar system with 2013 becoming year one ASA after Sir Alex very good so Moyes in Moyes in from yeah I'm sold. <laughs> I'm sold. You know, I, I wrote a piece on, on Bleacher Report this, this week. 15 reasons why United fans should stay positive about David Moyes. Easily the hardest two and a half hours or whatever it took to, to get it all out there uh, of my life uh, in terms of like creative output. But by the time I got to about eight, you can you can see the straw clutching in, in uh, every sentence. But, you know, loads of really good arguments there. And... <sighs> 
I don't know. It, all I can say is, you can. What can you do except for go with your own knowledge and understanding, and and but also keep that in its rightful perspective. Which, as I said earlier in the show, like I I have no particular certainty. It's just that everything I think says the sooner this is over the better and I, I i actually am not advocating for him to be sacked tomorrow because i think that really doesn't achieve very much but the club should be thinking about what they're going to do in the summer for sure and they're probably not but it would be uh it would be in everyone's best interests i think including david moises because another year of this and uh, he really is going to end up curled in a corner saying my precious over and over again while looking at pictures of tony hibbert you know yes anyway look we haven't got any games to talk about coming up <laughs> because uh, united are out of the fa cup so no game of the weekend uh, play crystal palace on the 22nd so we'll talk about that one next week and then uh, Olympiacos after that and then there's another gap uh, before united play again so uh, interesting times united heading off to dubai for a bit of warm weather training and relaxation uh, look to me like they've been relaxing on the pitch for quite some time but hey what do I know I mean I, I, I think you know I, I, as you know from our previous gloves related debate I get really annoyed with the kind of like uh, oh if you're playing badly you can't go for warm weather training oh yeah yeah because being cold improves performance because it makes you more manly yeah it does man up other players who should man up Tom Cleverley man up <laughs> So what did you make of uh, SG23, Scapegoat 23's uh, comments? Yeah, I, I thought he sounded like a victim, actually. And, uh, you know, I kind of understand him. He's a he's young player who's who's basically a bit average and hasn't progressed. And uh, But he really does no harm. He had a half-decent game against Arsenal, no more than that. In relative terms, it was better than his other performances this season. It was probably his best, uh, but that's from a very low base. You know, the way I think about Cleverly is I, I, don't, I don't feel like I've scapegoated him at all. Um, I, yeah, sure, there's some ranting on Twitter from some people I think if uh, you have an objective analysis he has not progressed as a player he's no longer a kid um, and if you judge him in those terms he should have got further he doesn't add an awful lot uh, and he's a coward on the pitch and when I say that and it's a strong word uh, I mean that he's not progressive with his talents he doesn't produce enough and in that interview he said I'm not the kind of player who'll beat beat three or four men and I'm not the the kind of player who's going to score a load of goals and I'm not the kind of player who puts in tackles all over the pitch so it, it didn't half leave me wondering what kind of player exactly is he Uh, one that doesn't do a lot which is basically what people think yeah yeah, I mean, he did have a good game against Arsenal, actually, and and I mean, genuinely, like a, a perfectly good game. Funnily enough, put in three tackles. Oh, there you go, tackles in various different locations on the pitch as well. So he's obviously trying to up his game. But you know, an out of form Michael Carrick and Tom Cleverley don't half make a depressing midfield. You know, uh, in form together, I think actually they they serve some pretty useful functions. You know, uh, if you want to recycle possession, they're your men. You know, nothing wrong with their ability to do that. Well, yeah. So, so my theory on Cleverly is uh, I ruined Cleverly uh, because uh, I, I got uh, married to Mrs. Rant on the day he got that ankle injury and he's never been the same again since. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, loads of funny things going around before the Arsenal game. A couple of lineups. Like, the 8 2 lineup is unbelievable. That is basically a scapegoat 11, the team that beat Arsenal 8 2. Nanny, Ashley Young, Tom Cleverly, and Anderson all in that starting lineup. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you put that lineup out, if you put that, both those lineups out, there's no way you could have picked 
82. I mean, Arsenal were in a very strange position then. Of course, they got a red card, and it was kind of a freak game. But uh, I'm talking of freak games, Arsenal uh, getting hammered by Liverpool. It, it kind of all of that kind of built up into this uh, into this scenario before the Arsenal Manchester United game, where you weren't quite sure who was the top dog for that game. And and I think what it did is it played out in a perfectly natural way. And of course, it's 2020 hindsight coming in here. But there were two teams that were very very fearful. Uh, and a lot of players that are very fearful too uh, and you got a very poor quality game as a result unfortunately being fearful and being conservative looked very much the same in David Moyes land and United have played like that almost since the first month of the season <laughs> yeah a word on Arsenal I kind of was going into that game thinking any other of the top six sides if they'd just been beaten 5-1 by one of the other top six sides you'd be fearful of a response in, in more than you would be thinking that you're catching them at a bad time sort of thing I remember we played Tottenham just after they got battered by City and I wasn't thinking oh great we're going to go down there and and take advantage of that real lack of confidence but Arsenal really the post Vieira Arsenal era really is I mean Moyes called the United players mentally soft after the Fulham game which excuse me for the tangent but alright yeah there's some mental softness in the United side but that's a team that lost the league on the last kick of the season and then won the league by dragging themselves back from behind game after game after game whereas you've never won anything mate so anyway bit, um, bit of a rant there Paul but you know hey this is this is the forum for it <laughs> but anyway the uh, the Arsenal's mental softness their mental fragility every time Thomas Rizicki every time he got the ball in a dangerous position just knocking it behind players my friend Joe Diego he he, uh, he said when Arsenal signed Ozil and he was roundly mocked for this Ozil's alright but he's not the sort of player you'd want alongside you in the trenches and uh, I was kind of thinking that was a bit of a weird thing to say about him but actually it turns out he's been really right and Ozil's really struggled uh, as as Arsenal's form's dipped well yes I mean his form has dipped uh, he is of course the player who's made most passes in the final third I, I know people hate this kind of thing but he's made more passes in the final third or the attacking third than any other player in the Premier League this season he's still creating lots and lots and lots of chances uh, the players around him aren't playing that well either he's also got a very bad pairing with Olivier Giroud uh, I think Ozil would do well do very well to have a, uh, a much more flexible uh, and mobile forward ahead of him and, and Giroud had a, a bit of a stinker against United and uh, mind you he gave Vidic the run around quite a lot I mean Vidic got a lot of praise for making a few tackles and a few headers but positionally Giroud ran him all over the place and this is a player who's not very mobile I didn't half think at some point during that game that uh, maybe Vidic has picked the right time to move to a slower pace of football absolutely I, I don't disagree with that although there is a bit of me that is slightly annoyed by Vidic announcing publicly that he's going to leave now I mean I guess it's better than allowing loads of speculation to go on but a, a one year's contract extension wouldn't have half sent a positive message about things you know um but, but I guess he just wants and, mm. and it's completely understandable because he'll extend his career by five years by moving to Italy right yes he, he may well do yeah and anyway um, we will not be extending our careers by five years if we have to suffer uh, in the way we have done in, in the past uh, week or so under David Moyes I think might might throw myself in a 
front of a bus before then it's, uh, it's getting seriously depressing although the thing that the thing that keeps me going is the anger that I feel <laughs> uh, I wrote a piece on the on the on the blog this week uh, saying my inner chimp was very angry if you uh, read any Steve Peters sports psychology stuff you'll know what I'm talking about his percentages are um, like my whole psychotherapy practice is based on the idea that his percentages are way off by the way 99% inner chimp is just crazy nonsense well whatever percentage is my inner chimp it was an angry chimp this week <laughs> yeah. and uh, you, you may be feeling the same out there as well and uh, and there's no football at the weekend to make you more angry or less angry so we're going to stew on this for quite some time as well <laughs> alright so Ed you've, you've described yourself as thoroughly on the fence and normally like this is a bit of role reversal because normally I am I'm king of on the fence uh, not because I'm inherently indecisive but because I tend to think there generally is merits in multiple different arguments and even in the Moyes situation I do see the merit of the argument that says keep him I just it's just not where I stand so I, I know that you never wanted David Moyes to be United manager I know that you don't rate him and you've kind of talked about your own cognitive dissonance when is and, and you said two tra- three transfer windows we had a question from Man United Youth who says doesn't giving him a third transfer window create the problem where you then have to say oh well he's only brought in these new players so let's give him another year because you need a year after your last transfer window well that's fine actually I don't think you need a year after your last transfer window as I spoke earlier um I think uh, it only takes a few months to get a team to gel together if you're a good manager. Pellegrini did it, Mourinho did it, Martinez did it, Guardiola did it. So you think that basically, well, Brendan Rodgers has flipping done it as well, which is like frightening in itself. But you, so you'd say like November next year, no, November this year, assuming things don't change, that's when you hop on board the Moyes out train. Yeah. So look, uh, what what will make me uh, hop on Moyes out earlier than and then uh, sort of eighteen months into his tenure? Um, uh, if United continue to play as badly for the rest of the season, if we slip further back, uh, if uh, when we get into the transfer window, uh, we are as inept as last season and dithering Dave comes out again, uh, if it was all lies, um, and if we head into the new season with a few purchases which are probably on the younger side of youth, uh, on the cheaper side, and a whole bunch of players disappear that Moyes didn't want, and he's obviously transitioning the squad into a format that he wants, and United start the new season badly then I might get on board with the Moyes out uh, by then of course and at Man United Youth is quite right too much damage might have already been done yeah absolutely so Ed um, I'll meet you next week on the Rankcast I'll meet you sometime in November on the Moyes outside of the tracks because um, I, I just want it all to be over you know that, that's that's the thing this is now an era to be suffered through and, and I, you know people do sometimes get a bit cross when I say this stuff but I really passionately believe that football doesn't really matter that much you know that's the chimp the chimp it's getting angry here the gym is getting <laughs> football matters uh, and and you know what else matters folks start learning german because uh, we're going to persuade jürgen mr klopp that he, <laughs> that he wants a job at united oh, maybe maybe come on kloppy <laughs> Edward Edward would call him a genius. Mind you, if if, uh, if Mr. Klopp did come out tomorrow and say, I'd really like to take you the United job, um, I might be hopping on the Moyes out banner <laughs> a little more quickly. I have to say, uh, I would, uh, not only do I think he's uh, great fun and very positive and would inject um, a load of positive energy into United, uh, his team is playing in a really nice way. It's not tiki-taka by any means, but it's fast attacking Manchester United style football. Yeah, the perfect man for the job in many ways. 
always uh, you might yes. argue uh, anyway look <laughs> enjoy your weekends folks absolutely uh, we, we will be with you in another week's time I realise this is a very very long podcast but we've had lots to talk about so I hope you enjoyed it in the meantime you can get us on our Facebook page we do inhabit it sometimes much like David Moyes and attacking coaching we pay lip service to it uh, we're also on Twitter much much more so at United Rant for me and at UTD Rantcast for Paul you can find Paul on Bleacher Report where he will give you a list between 6 and 15 items on almost any subject you'd like to talk about and read about as long as it's Manchester United uh, and uh, you can find us uh, on the iTunes page you can donate if you want to uh, add to the donation where there is United Rant and we'll see you soon thank you very much indeed and we'll be back next week